Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's good to be in church. Amen. With the people of God. And as we were worshiping, um, just the thought come to my mind. It says the kingdom of heaven is likened to a, a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. He said, and when he found one, a pearl of great price, he sold everything he had so that he could go buy it. I don't know why that come to me there, but I just began to think about that. It's worth it all, folks. It's worth it all. He said he sold everything he had to go purchase that pearl of great price. You know, many of you know that we own a business, and I get calls probably almost on the daily from unknown numbers. Most of them I don't answer, but trying to get you to advertise, trying to get you to a logo or build a website, I mean, you name it, they're calling, right? You put a business on the internet and your phone number, just get ready. You're going to get calls. Well, the other day I answered a call. You know, they're getting smart now. They call from a local number. And uh, so I picked up the phone, and, you know, it's this guy from Yelp. Many of you, if you don't know what Yelp is, it's an advertising. It's kind of like Google, but you can build a page on there and put everything you do. And people go to Yelp, and they, they put a type in and say, you know, I want a, this or that, and it pulls up the companies in your area. Well, he's trying to sell me this whole deal, and, you know, to create a page, it's free, but in order for you to be able to be visible and all this, I mean, he's trying to say, I'm trying to politely tell the guy no, and I'm short of just hanging up on him, you know, I was just trying to be nice. But one thing that he said to me, you know, you know I, said, I said, I'm not interested in paying for any advertising. And he said, well, hold up now, hold up. And he said, he said, now these guys, you know, that's what most people say, but, you know, they're landing five, $10,000 jobs. You know, you get four or five of these a month, you know, it, it's worth it. You know, and, and, and I'm like, you know, that don't face me. You know, that don't, that don't, that don't make me flinch. I don't, I'm not tempted by that. I don't care. But, you know, you can't explain that to somebody of the world because they don't understand. They don't understand. You see, many people, you know, in ooh and ah, you know, we've been told y'all can do this or y'all can do that. Y'all have good, good talent and all that. But I tell you what, I'd sell it all today <laughs> to do the will of God. Amen. That guy from Yelp, he said, you know, we, you, can make, you can score $10,000 jobs, you know, three or four or five a month. You know, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that, folks. I do that to make a living to pay my bills so that I could be a part of what God wants me to do. Amen. I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't know who it's for. But, you know, I, I, God never allowed us to be to just blow off the charts. He never released us in our hearts to be able to just do those things. Though we have the ability, though we've got the tools, though we got, you know, whatever we our minds can think, we could do it. But God's never released us to do it. I don't understand it, but that's just the way that that's just the way that it is. And I've come to accept it. You know, and I'm not trying to achieve five and ten thousand dollar jobs. I'm trying to achieve the will of God. And just as that man found the pearl of great prize, I want to sell everything to go on with God. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes is what I want to do. Amen? The world don't understand it. You know, the, the foolish things 
of the world. You know, we, it confounds the wise, what we do, the things that God calls us to do. I think I said that backwards, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, it, 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 you know, it doesn't make sense what God has us to do sometimes, but I tell you what, it's right. Amen? It's perfect. It's right. Hallelujah. That was just a precursor. Somebody asked me to keep it short. I won't tell you who, but I can't make no promises tonight. Amen? If you would, stand with us. Turn, your, turn in your Bibles. We're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to read the first few verses there. And then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse number 11. We're in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1. Say amen. Amen. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. For ye are, not, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions... They had disagreements. They had inward grudgings. You know, they, they were easily offended. They were offensive in their actions. They, were disaffection, they had disaffection towards each other. And Paul said, Are ye not carnal and walk as men? In other words, you act like people of the world, and you have no more the spirit of religion than the world does. Hebrews 5, and verse, starting in verse number 11. And of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Verse number 12, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And ye become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those by whom, by who, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In Hebrews 6 and 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. I want to take our title from that text tonight. Let us go on unto perfection. Going on unto perfection. Father, we thank you for this day, your word. I ask you, Lord, that you had hide me behind the cross tonight, that you would say what only you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you pray, I pray that you would anoint me, God. I pray for the unction of the Holy Ghost. I pray for the hearers tonight, that you anoint the ears to hear, anoint the hearts to receive. Help us to respond to your word. We'll be careful to honor and to praise and to glorify you tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. As you're seated, look to your neighbor and say, I'm going on. Amen. Pack your bags. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, we're going to leave them at the altar. Amen. Going on unto perfection. One commentator breaks this verse down and he says, Because you have so indolent. And what does that mean? It says that you wanting to avoid activity, avoid exertion, are otherwise lazy. 
You're slow of heart, and you have still so many advantages. Leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, you've ceased to continue in the state of babes who must be fed with milk, but with the lowest doctrines of the gospel when you should be capable of understanding the highest. Let us go on unto perfection. Let us never rest until we are adult Christians, till we are saved from all sin and filled with the spirit and power of Christ. This original text is very emphatic. The, the original Hebrew meaning is very emphatic. It, it says, let us be carried to perfection. Let us be carried to perfection. God is ever ready to, to, by the power of the Holy Spirit to carry you and I forward in every degree towards the light, towards his life and love. He's ready to carry. He's ready, he's ready and prepared to carry us, and he's ready to carry us forward. He's ready to give us everything necessary to prepare us for the eternal weight that we have in glory. There can be little difficulty in attaining the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls from all sin, if God carries us to it. I said there can be little weight in us going on forward if we allow God to carry us. Amen? That's the key there. That's the secret. Many people want to say that you can't go on into perfection, that you have to sin every day. That's preached in all churches across America. Many churches across America today is that you sin every day, that you're going to sin. You can't help but sin, but that's your human nature. But I'm here to tell you tonight that it's possible for you to go on into perfection, that your heart can be cleansed from all sin, and that you can live the life of the impossible. It's too much to say of these that know neither the Scripture nor the power of God. Surely the scripture promises the thing and the power of God can carry us on to possess it. I want to talk about three kinds of people tonight. The Bible typically divides humans into two categories. Those that do not have a relationship with God and are following their own sinful way and those that have accepted God's forgiveness, and in our living, a personal relationship with Him through the faith of Jesus Christ. Ideally, these that follow Christ do so wholeheartedly, relying on His Spirit and power to resist sin and overcome the flesh. The unspiritual or the natural man or woman is one who's not been born again. They've not been transformed. They've not been renewed they're still controlled by their natural instincts, the human nature. They resist the workings and then they oppose and defy God's word. This person does not have the Holy Spirit living in them, but lives under the rule and influence of Satan. That's hard to say, but the Bible says you're of your father, the devil. If you're not walking in the light tonight, you're of their father, the devil. It's black and white, folks. I don't, it's not my words, it's God's. Take it up with Him. As a result, this person continues to be a slave to their own passions, their limitations, their desires, and they prefer friendship with the world rather than friendship with God. Therefore, making them enemies of God. That's the first person, the first category. The second category tonight is the spiritual man 
or woman. And these are those that have been born again. Those that's been saved and washed by the blood. Those that have a personal relationship with Jesus. Those who were walking one day, they were walking down in life. And God dealt with them, convicted their spirit. They did a 180 degree turn and turned around and went the other way. Why? Because the life of God ministered, the spirit of God ministered into their life and they became changed. They now walk with God. They have a personal relationship with them. They understand the truth that God's given. They understand the truths that, 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 that are wrapped up in God's Holy Ghost that He give us. They understand that God, through, through the Holy Ghost, can empower us to live a holy life, who can have a relationship with Jesus, who can walk according to, to the uh, According to the will of God, they can go on unto perfection. This person strives to follow Christ with the help and leadership of God's Word and the Holy Ghost. As, they resu- as a result, they are able to resist sin, temptation, and ungodly desires and the sinful nature. How do we become a spiritual man or woman? When a person confesses his or her sin and accepts by faith the forgiveness and spiritual salvation God provides through His Son, Jesus Christ, he or she is born again. Most of us in this church tonight know what it is to be born again. By surrendering his or her old life to Christ, the individual becomes a new person spiritually. The Holy Spirit transforms this person from the inside out, giving him or her a new life, a new nature, Filled with overflowing life of God. This person is made right with God through faith in Christ. Who gave his own life to pay the penalty for our sin. That is the second category. The born again believer. But I want to talk to you tonight about a third category. And one that I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper. And that title is Worldly or Carnal Christian. I said the Bible typically divides the human race into two categories. Believers and non-believers. There's preachers that said that there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Because ultimately the definition of Christian is to be like Christ. And if you're like Christ, that means you're not like the world. And I'm not disagreeing with that tonight by any means. But I pray with God's help, the unction of the Holy Spirit, we can come to understand and recognize where we're at tonight in our own lives. And if this applies to us, may God help us to go on into perfection. In our text that Paul's dealing with here, we see that the Bible does draw further distinction among those who have been born again, yielding their life to Christ, and, and for the sake of the message, uh, yield, he brings a distinction to those that are yielding their life of Christ into two categories. The carnal or the worldly Christians, we find those that have accepted Christ, yielded their life to him, yet they still follow their own desires which reflect the ways of the world when it is convenient and serves their own purposes. This category of Christians dangerously flirt with the world and activities and behaviors that expose them 
to the influence of evil. As born-again believers, we all have a new life and a new nature of Christ living inside of us, but we also have the old nature, the Adamic nature, the sin nature. We have, we have two natures living inside of us as a born-again believer. You know, you, 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 we must know and understand tonight that we can't dress up the human nature. We can't do its hair fancy enough. We can't put enough perfume on it. We can't put enough makeup on it to make that human nature acceptable unto God. That human nature, that flesh, your carnal man has got to be crucified with Christ. That is the only way. That is the only acceptable way to, to live unto the Lord. You can't dress it up. We, you know, the, the world today will tell you just add God to your life like you add a cherry to a Sunday to dress it up. You just add God to what you are. Just come on, be a part of our small group, be a part of our mega church, be a part of our team, our worship team, be a part of our whatever you have, you know, our activities. You know, they can pack a church house out, two, three services on a Sunday morning, but yet you run into those people in the marketplace. They're still drinking. They're still boozing and cussing and carrying on. They're still going after the lust of the flesh. There's no, there's been not been no change. There's not been any anything in their life, the points that they know God, they've not been any change in their life, the point that they've experienced the power of salvation, that they really understand the redempting power of the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that points you to that. Nothing. They simply add God to what they are. But the Bible says that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. We have to live after and we have to, we have to raise up the new man. We have to nurture that new life of Christ that's inside of us. Self has to be crucified. Paul said, I die daily. This sin nature cannot be made good. It has to be put to death. Crucified with Christ. Overcome by the help and power of the Holy Ghost. Christ's followers overcame human nature by denying their own selfish desires, choosing God's way. They make a willful choice to remove everything from their lives that could compromise their relationship with God. They made a willful choice. I said this morning, Christ, he learned obedience by his suffering. That lamb couldn't be spotless in its own power. He had to be born spotless. He had to be born pure. He had to be born without blemish. But Christ, he willed to do it for you and I today. He willed to be perfect. And if he could will to be perfect, then I can will to be perfect. Because his blood was shed on the cross of Calvary tonight. He brought his Holy Spirit. He said, I'll bring a comforter that's going to be in you. Why? So that you could will to be perfect. That you could will to be holy. There also has to be an exercise of self-discipline to avoid and resist all temptations. Not all Christians, however, make the required effort to overcome the flesh, sin, and the devil. Paul points out that some of them are behaving worldly and unspiritual. And instead of resisting all sinful behavior, they gave in to at least some sin. While they were not living in continuous disobedience, they were compromising in areas of their lives that allowed the flesh to operate in the church. Some people are giving the devil opportunity to gain influence in areas of their lives while still wanting to be a part of God's people. 
If you want to give the devil a foothold in the church, compromise in areas of your life. Compromise in errors. You think, oh, it's just a little bit. It's just this. It's just that. And, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It leavens the whole lump. The old saying almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's almost right. It's almost holy. That's not good enough. Christ said, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. You can go on unto perfection, saints. You can attain it. And I'm not up here preaching tonight that I'm perfect. I'm not. I can promise you that. i got a long way to go. A long way to go. But I can strive. And each day I wake up, if I'll give way to the Holy Ghost, if I'll give way to the new nature, then I can walk that day in the power of God. Tomorrow can take care of itself. But today I'm going to walk after God. I'm going to walk after His heart, after His Word. I'm going to know Him. I'm going to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. One man said the condition of worldly Christians for this group, sin and rebellion, did not fully control their lives. I want you to listen closely here. It said it did not fully control their lives, nor had they been involved in the immoral and ungodly behaviors that would completely separate them from God's kingdom. Yet, they were behaving in such a way that they were no longer growing in their relationship with God. They were acting as immature believers who do not yet fully understand what it meant to follow Christ and how it should affect their daily lives. If you're not growing, you're dying. You may think it's just a little this or a little that, but if it's hindering your growing, you're dying. If you're not, if you're not growing in your relationship, You're giving up time where you could have grown. You're giving up advancement that you could have had. You know, if you send an army into battle and they wait around a day, two days, three days, they've given advancement to the other, to the enemy to advance on them. Why? Because they sat there and did nothing. Each day that I sit idly by and don't grow, I'm giving hell a foothold in my life. If I let a little bit of sin in and I don't grow today, that's going to be a little bit more tomorrow. Before you know it, you're going to have a mountain out of a molehill. Their worldliness and immaturity were expressed in jealousy and quarreling. They were unconcerned about the tolerant and immoral behavior within the church. They did not always take God's word seriously or have the proper respect for spiritual authority. What's the danger to worldly Christians? These worldly Corinthian Christians were in danger of being influenced to abandon their devotion to Christ. Their lives were conforming more and more to ungodly patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that were common in the world. Because of this, they would be discipled and judged by the Lord. If they continued to conform to the world, they would finally lose their place in God's kingdom. When I was young, born again, just saved, coming out of the world, you know what they preached to me? You're either of the world or you're of the church. You can't toe the line. You can't walk the fence. You're either in or you're out. There's no in between. There's no, you can't just walk the straddle the fence your whole life. You either got to get in or you got to get out. You either got to be, you got to either commit or you just got to say, you know what, I'm going to walk away. Jesus said, I would that you're either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth. I heard Brother Clendenin say that germs can, can't live in cold water and they can't live in boiling water, but they thrive in warm water. Why did Jesus say, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out? 
If you're lukewarm, sin can thrive. If you're lukewarm, your relationship with God can suffer. You get closer to the world. God, Jesus said, I will that you're either hot or you're cold. But because you're lukewarm, I spew you out. It's a warning. The warnings of the worldly Christians they must realize that they're in danger of losing their faith if they're unwilling to turn from what displeases God. They must learn from the tragic example of the Israelites whom God destroyed because of the rebellion against him. They must understand that it is impossible to fully participate in God's plans and purposes while giving in to influences of Satan, the world, and their own sinful nature. They must separate and walk in a different path than those in the world. By accepting the help and power of the Holy Spirit, they can purify themselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We can't attain it tonight. It's attainable. It's within reach. Matter of fact, God said, I'll carry you on. I'll carry you on into perfection. You know, I think the, the, the Pilgrim's Progress and the, you know, we had the children's version we were reading to our girls last year. And, you know, he, it's a hard way. You know, he's got to walk up this hill and then he's got to go through the valley and he's got to go through these cities and the temptations and all the things that come. But Jesus said, God said, I'll carry you on. I'll carry you on. How, we've got to fully understand that tonight. We've got to fully understand it's his power, his will. It's not mine. I can't will to do it. I've got to lay it down. I've got to lay my life down and pick up his life. I've got to lay my life down, my mind down, and let his mind be in me. Paul said, let, let, let his mind be in me. We can't do it on our own. There's a few characteristics I want to talk about about carnal Christians. The first one is prolonged infancy. A baby is, is, is in its proper time one of the most beautiful things that you could ever experience in the world. But baby, a babyhood or, or the, the point of being a baby continued on for too long can become a burden and a sorrow and a sign of disease. Baby Judah's cute, soft, and cuddly. But if he's like that in six months and he hasn't grown, there's something wrong. We're going to begin to wonder, well, what's wrong with this kid? Why ain't he growing? Why ain't he, why ain't he, he, he getting bigger, gaining weight? Why ain't he doing more things, getting stronger? We're going to wonder what's going on. But this was the condition of many of the Corinthian Christians. They continued on as infants, as babes in Christ. Now, what are the characteristics of a baby? I want you to get this tonight. There's two specific characteristics of a baby. The first is a baby cannot help itself. And the second is a baby cannot help others. A baby cannot help itself and it cannot help others. It cannot be left alone. It cannot fend for itself. 
This is the case of most Christians. They make the preacher, they make the pastor, nurse them. They make, they make a nurse spiritual babies all the time. They don't know how to feed on God's word, so they're always looking for the preacher to feed them. They're always looking for the preacher to give them a word, to give them encouraging. They don't know how to touch God on their own. They're always looking for somebody to touch heaven for them, to touch heaven for them. To, they're always looking for the pastor to do it for them, to get on his knees in prayer, to pray for them, to meet the needs of their family. Why? Because they're babes. They can't do it on their own. The grim reality is that ministers are occupied always needing to, to be nursed. And, or, or the, the grim reality is that, that babes in Christ are always keeping the ministry occupied, needing to be nursed and never coming to help themselves. I read this. I want to jump. I want to run a while. Sister, Sister Kara is going to jump up and scream and take off running. Babies keep the house busy. <laughs> Babies keep the house busy. You know, mine, mine's going on. I got one ten and eight. And Kenna's almost 11. And it wasn't until, uh, I guess it's been a few months ago, we kept... Uh, Raina and uh, baby Kyson for a day, and we're like, man, we forget, you know, how much you, you're like, it, it. I mean, you can't just go and do as you please. And then, and then now with with you know the little baby nephew, I mean, it, it changes things, you know. Brother Aaron and Sister Kara's now learning, you know, we can't just go and do like we used to go and do. Grand's learning that too, you know, grandma got to be there to help out. She's learning, you know, but babies keep the house busy, you know, and it's cute and fun when they're newborns because that's what you expect. But when they start going on three, four, five, six years old, you got to start doing some things on your own. Come on now. It's got to be the same way in the church. The spiritual infants are always wanting but never growing to the fullness and strength that God has designed and therefore they live in a state of prolonged infancy. Hebrews 3 and 12, For at the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you. We th I preached last time about how that we're all co-laborers and we all have a responsibility in the ministry. That pastor gave, he gave the fivefold ministry for the work of the ministry, for perfecting the saints, for what? For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. So that means that we all have something to do. We all have a responsibility. We all have a calling in the body of Christ. Paul is saying here that you should have been teachers by now. You should have been working in the ministry by now. You should have been grown by now. You should be teaching others by now. But instead, here we are teaching you the basics of Christianity. The basics, oracles of God. The first principles. Because you cannot take the strong meat. 2 Timothy 3 and 7, I know it's a whole different, what Timothy's talking about is a different context, but I believe it fits here. It says that you're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Because the truth is, is you got to grow. 
The truth is, is that you can't sit on the church pew always hearing sermon after sermon, being an altar call after altar call, get in touch after touch from the Holy Ghost, and never grow into your full potential in God. Eventually, enough's going to be enough. I don't put up with the same stuff out of McKenna that Audrey can get away with. Why? She's older. We done went down that road a couple of times. We got the t-shirt. We got the belt marks. We got whatever. I mean, we got that memory. You shouldn't be doing some of the things your little sister's doing. You, you should know better by now. It's the same way with you and I in the church today. There's some things God will put up with with these newborns he's not going to put up with out of you. You can't sit on that pew and say, why can't I do this, God? Why can't I get away with this? Why would you convict me of this? Because he's taking you somewhere they ain't there yet. They ain't got there yet. And if you're going to be what God wants you to be, you better keep on walking. If you stop, you're going to be a, you're going to be a, you're just going to take up space. We're going to be nursing you. We got to come to understand that. Is that as we walk, God requires more out of us. I was talking to the other day, Sister Haley and I have been talking over the past several weeks about just, we've been spoiled, folks. I got saved under Brother Jeremy Prohaska. And he preached in this pulpit just like he preached in that youth in that youth room. There wasn't no coddle story time playing games after no. He preached just like he preached in this revival. He preached to me at 16 years old. I got saved every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. And twice on Sunday. Brother Robin, Haley's youth pastor, same way, preached just like that. We grew up, I mean, just as babes in Christ, we, we were experienced to Brother Clendenin, Brother Robert, Brother Charles, my pastor back home, Brother Jacob. This body of believers has been rich in the gospel. This ain't preaching everywhere, folks. There ain't preaching. I was talking to Sister Brenda the other night. They don't preach like this everywhere across America. We've been blessed. But with that blessing comes a greater responsibility. We're going to give an account for what we know. We know how we ought to live. We know we're supposed to be baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. We know we're supposed to be holy, folks. We ain't going to get up there and say, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's not going to fly. That may fly with somebody else who had a pure heart and actually wanted to see God and they were in the wrong church. That might fly with them. That's not going to fly with you because you know the truth. You've heard. We're going to be accountable. we got to grow. Carnal Christians are always wanting help but never growing up in such a way that they can help others. The writer of Hebrews says you ought to be teaching, but here you are being taught the basics again. A baby cannot stay in a state of infancy unless there's disease or something wrong with the body. And the same for Christians. For a man or woman continue to be conquered by sin year after year means that there's something terribly wrong. You can overcome tonight. You can live a victorious life. You don't have to come down here every altar service. Oh, God, please save me. I just don't think I can make it. No, you can be a conqueror through Christ. You can live a victorious life. The second characteristic of a carnal Christian is a sin is in control. Sin always has the upper hand. 
What proof does Paul give that these people were carnal? After, the first call, after first calling them carnal, he asked, For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Then Paul says, For while one says, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? You act like other people. You're not acting like the heavenly people. You're not acting like you've been renewed, that you're a renewed follower of Jesus Christ and live in the power and love of the Holy Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here we see the Corinthian church, we're not, taught, we're not walking in the Spirit as they ought. Paul said, you're acting like somebody else. You're not acting like Christ. You're not acting like the heavenly creature. They did not love. How do you know they didn't love? They envied, they had strife, they had quarrels. <clears throat> there was unforgiveness, there was evil speaking, there was unlovingness. All unlovingness is part of the is a product of the flesh. If you don't love your neighbor, if you don't love your brother and sister, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a characteristic of the flesh. That has to die. The Holy Ghost coming to you, the Holy Ghost will bring love like you've never experienced before. He'll help you forgive that person that you can't forgive. You know, I, I, I say, I'm going to be careful saying this, but I, you know, I know what it is to be hurt and forgive, folks. I know what it is. You know, I don't understand it. People don't know why. Why do you keep talking to them? Why do you keep, why you keep being friends with them? Why do you keep going back? I don't know. I don't understand it. But I trust, I love. Why? Because God enabled me to forgive. I've asked the question, God, I don't mind being hurt again, but can you use somebody else? The Holy Spirit will enable you to forgive and to love. And if you don't have that tonight, you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. Worldliness has crept into the church. We always got to be entertained. We need, you know, the, 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 the house, the normal household today, they all, there's so many people that's got so much stuff going on. They're going from gymnastics to dance to basketball to baseball to whatever. I mean, they've got their plates full. And then they come home, they, they got their TV time and all. I mean, it's just a constant thing of, of got to be entertained. You've always got to be doing something. You never can be idle. You always got to have, you always got to have this or have that. The love of money and business, position. Some sacrificed everything to increase their riches. Such, so much of our lives is seeking after luxury, pleasure, and position. But that's all after the flesh. It gratifies the flesh. It's exactly what the world thinks is desirable and delights in. And if you live like that, you live like the world. It's proof that the spirit of the world is in the flesh, is in you. The carnal state is proved by the power of sin. You know, I was reading, and, and Solomon talks in Ecclesiastes. He said, I, I worked, and I'm going to paraphrase here. I may butcher this up, but you'll get the point. Uh, he said, I worked, and I gained houses and lands, and I planted vineyards, and I did all these things, and I come to the end, and I realize it's all vanity, vanity and vexation of the Spirit. What does that mean? It's all emptiness and worthless. Why? Because I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave it to somebody, and I've got no control of what that man's going to do with it. He could waste it all. All the years that I worked, all the years that I labored, I'm going to leave it to somebody that didn't work for it. It's all vanity and vexation. 
It's all worthless. We've got to, I tell the youth, we've got to lay our treasures up in heaven. We, we, I'm not trying to make you to be the most successful person in Beaumont, the most successful person in America. Why? Because you could lose your soul in the process. And that's not worth it. It's not worth it. Every day that we do not intentionally rely on the spiritual man, we are in danger of walking after the flesh. That is the importance of being filled with the Spirit. Look at the apostles. They walked out for Jesus for three and a half years. The apostles walked with Christ. They knew Christ. They slept where Christ slept. They ate what Christ ate. They went where Christ went. They saw the miracles. They saw him pray. They saw him being transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw all these things. And yet when he, they should have been by his side the most, they failed him. They denied him. They cursed. They rejected him. They said they never knew him. Why? Why? Because it's not enough. To know about Christ. It's not enough to know about what well, it's not enough to be with people of Christ. It's not enough to be in the church. It's not enough. It wasn't enough for them. It's not going to be enough for you. But if you fast forward to the day of Pentecost, we see the boldness and the authority, the power that followed after being filled with the Holy Ghost. After they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they got boldness. They were courageous. They were thrown into prison. The most of them were killed. Why? Because they had a power that wasn't their own. John 14 and 16 and through 20 says, And I will, this is Jesus talking, And I will pray the Father, and you shall give you another comforter, that you may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, because you've been with him. For he dwelleth with you, but he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. The world seeth me no more. But you see me because I live and you live also. And that the day you shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me. And what? I in you. That's a secret to this life, folks. Jesus can dwell inside of me. That's the only good in, in this body tonight. Christ has to be in you by the power of the Holy Ghost, and that's the secret. That's what the disciples learned. They learned they got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Before Pentecost, Peter was denying, cussing, rejecting. All the other apostles hid. Why? Because they didn't have the boldness. They didn't have Christ in them. They knew about Christ. They'd been with Christ, but he didn't possess them. That's what makes Pentecost so different. I tried the Baptist church when I was a teenager. It didn't do nothing for me. There was a man come to my job. I worked at a convenience store, 15 years old. I was took out. I got there early every day. I rode the bus, you know. People always ask me, how do you learn how to do all this stuff? How do you learn how to do this? How do you learn carpet? How do you learn how to, do, you know, work on vehicles, whatever? You know, I didn't have money growing up. I had a good life. I'm not, I'm not saying that by no means. I had a good life. But I didn't have money growing up. Something was broke, we fixed it. If we didn't fix it, we parked it on the side of the yard, we got another one. <laughs> Come on now. We bought our first house, we wanted something, we had to do that DIY. We become professional DIYers. 
Everybody comes to me, oh, that, how do you do this? How do you do that? What do you do here? What do you do? I said, man, get on YouTube like I had to do. Or either better, yeah, just figure it out. You know, there was a time I didn't have YouTube. You know, Brother Carter Collins said one time, he said, I'm slow. He said, people talk about wanting to be young again. He said, I don't. He said, I passed stupid a long time ago. I always say I'm slowly but surely passing stupid. I'm slowly but surely passing stupid. I remember my first vehicle, I wanted to get me a sound system. I wanted to get me a radio, give me some speakers. Why? Because I was carnal. I'm just going to be real with you. I was carnal. You know, I wasn't saved yet. And I, I mean, it's dead of winter time, and I'm like, I'm on run. I, I, like I said, I didn't have no money. I couldn't pay no professional and install these speaker wires and run for my battery and run the amp and all that. So I, you know what? I had a drill, a drill bit. I bought all the stuff. I went to town, I drilled me a hole through that firewall, and I hit the firewall, I was like, all right, got, got through there, and I hit something else. I said, well, that must be the backups. I kept on going, and then I heard, <laughs> and I'm like, ugh, okay, it's not my heater core, my, my floorboard ain't wet, it's not running hot, still running, again, it's dead of winter. As spring rolled around, I learned what I, I, learned what I drilled a hole through. That AC wasn't working. That psh that I heard, that was all the Freon going out. <laughs> Guess what? I learned real quick how to take a dash out of a Jeep, replace the evaporator core, and then go down to the man and say, all right, I got enough money to pay you put Freon back in it. I couldn't pay you the $800 to take the dash out. I had to do that myself. Hey, we didn't have YouTube back in 2006. There wasn't no laptop, nothing like that. I just had to start taking screws loose and hope they all, hey, I had a few left over, but hey, it, it worked. It worked. Just put them in the cup holder for a little while. Everything goes smooth for a few months. Throw them away. We have to learn that we've got to live by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the secret of this life. The last characteristic I want to mention tonight of a carnal Christian is carnality hinders spirituality. The carnal mind makes it nearly impossible to fully hear the spiritual truths of the Word of God. There are many Christians in the church as a whole today that will say a great message, such truth, they say they were touched and changed, only to be conquered by sin the next week. They get help, and soon the blessing passes away. Why? Because at the root of the problem is a carnal mind that can't grasp the spiritual truth. There are great truths preached in, all the Pentecostal, in a lot of Pentecostal churches across America today, across the world, yet lives remain unchanged. With all the spiritual teaching... Many Christians remain carnal. They must be lifted from the carnal mind. We must be lifted from the carnal mind. You know, we teach our, young, our kids in the children's church that, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you feed that flesh is what's going to come out of it. And I'm going to tell you tonight, church, if you feed carnality, carnality is going to come out. Carnality is going to come out. You know, we, we would be appalled tonight if I said that, that, that it's okay to watch shows 
where sex is the common subplot. Though no sex is ever shown, it's often implied and discussed. We, we would be appalled if I said it's okay to take part in those kind of, of shows and entertainment. And on average, it, it, sex is generally mentioned in every episode. You know, we would say it, it, you'd be... a you know, just appalled if I told you tonight that it's okay to watch a show with some mild profanity. You'd be okay. You'd, you'd be appalled at that and say, you know what, you've, you've lost it. I ain't falling. You know, you, you need to sit down. You're not right. <laughs> you, we could all agree tonight that that's not, that's not good to take part in shows that make light of homosexuality, that are perverse, that, that have profanities and, and all these things. While yet many people in the churches today do take part in those. When you say it like I said it, you're like, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't dare do that. I, I wouldn't watch that kind of stuff. But yet we watch, you know, I've heard people in the church watching Everybody Loves Raymond. I didn't say that. I ain't watched it. That's what the internet says. It says sex is a common subplot and topic. It says it's, it's often implied and discussed. It has mild profanity in every episode. That's on the internet, folks. That's what, that's what somebody written in that Worldly Review wrote. I don't know that that was a Christian. You know, there's people that, that rave and talk about the office. Well, I began to look it up. What, what's the office about? Well, guess what? The office show contains sexual jokes in every episode. We wonder why our kids are hooked on pornography. We wonder why our teenagers are getting pregnant at 16, 17, 8 years old. Why? It's because we allow these things into our home. We allow these things to take root in our heart. We have carnality coming in, but we're shocked when there's carnality coming out. There's many more. I could name so many. But you got to be careful what you allow in your house. You got to be careful what you take pleasure in. The Bible says the carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. You can come out of carnality tonight in ways that we could come out of it. You say, help me, how do I get rid of this carnal mind? Well, first, turn off the carnality, whatever you can. If it's the radio, the TV, if it's the social media, whatever it is, turn it off. You can't exactly turn your job off, but you can separate yourself. You can, be, you, can, you can draw that line in the sand. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I don't take part in those jokes. I don't take part in those conversations. I'm going to separate myself. I got no complaints about my wife. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and talk, you know, bash the wife, bash the kids. Why? Because I'm sold out to Christ. I've got, I've got a life inside of me. I don't deal with the things of the world. I don't have the same problems they got. But how can we come out of carnality tonight? The first step is we got to see and believe. We've got to see. What do we got to see? We got to see where we are tonight. We got to see through the eyes of the Holy Ghost. What are we allowing in our life that's displeasing to God? We've got to recognize it. 
You know, AA says you, then the first step to, to getting rid of a problem is admitting that you got one. We got to see tonight what the problem is. We got to see what's going on that's separating us from growing in God. We've got to see it, and we've got to see Christ there as the ultimate sacrifice. We've got to see the Holy Ghost that can help us, and we got to have faith to believe it. We got to have faith to believe. We've got to be convicted of what separates us from God. We've got to be convicted, and then we've got to repent. We've got to repent and say, God, forgive me for what I've allowed in my heart, what I've allowed in my life, the thoughts that I think, the things that I say, the things that I do, the things that I partake in. I've got to, I got to ask forgiveness. I got to repent. But I can tell you tonight, you can be changed in a moment. In a moment. You don't have to stay where you are. This isn't a hopeless message. There's hope tonight. All you got to do is you got to see. You got to believe. You got to see Christ high and lifted up. He's on the right hand of God tonight. You got to believe that he's the ultimate sacrifice for sin and that he can save you, that his blood was enough. You got to see your carnality. You got to ask God to forgive you and you can be changed in a moment. And the last thing, if the musicians would come tonight, I want to leave you with is you can be kept by Christ. If you see him, you believe him, you repent, and you're changed, you got to know that Jesus is willing and able to keep you. We read at the beginning of the message. The commentator said that he, God, will carry you on until perfection. We've got to be willing to be carried tonight. We've got to be willing to be carried. If you pick up my, Audrey, she wants to be carried. She wants to be picked up. I don't know how much she weighs, but these old shoulders are getting old and worn out. She asked me today, last night or today, she said, can you pick me up? I said, my shoulders just can't do it no more. You're getting too big. But I tell you what, if I had to pick her up and carry her against her will, I'd struggle, folks. God's not going to carry you against your will. But if you'll go willingly, he'll help you. He'll carry you through. He'll keep you by the power of the Holy Ghost. There's hope tonight. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can be kept by the power of God. And you, too, can go on. Into perfection. There's a work to do, folks. And we've got to get the mind of God in order to do it. There's a lost and dying world that we've got to reach. We've, got to, we've, we've been placed here. 2630 South 11th Street. In 1964, this was a good part of town. It's not so much anymore. Why are we here? Because God placed a beacon of hope right in the heart of 11th Street. Right here on South 11th Street, he placed a beacon of hope. I was thinking on the way to church, I was thinking about Nehemiah and how Sam Ballant and Tobiah were coming against him. He said, but we prayed to the God of heaven. We worked with one hand and we held the sword in the other. It's time we work, folks. We work with, with one hand, we have the sword, the word of God in the other hand. We've got to work. We've got to work to do. But there's a promise. John saw a city coming down from, from heaven, folks. John saw a city.
Revelations, there's an account where John sees a man and he bows down before him. The man says, get up. I'm a man of flesh and blood just like you. But in everything in that city is going to be like Christ. John couldn't tell the difference. We're going somewhere, folks. We're going somewhere. By the power of the Holy Ghost, He can take us further tonight, take us deeper than we've ever gone, and He can keep us like we've never been kept before. If God's talked to you tonight, I want to open these altars so you find a place to pray. May He help us tonight.